Talk Radio. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Will a strong and united America still be a force for freedom and prosperity around the world? America has created the longest peacetime economic expansion in our history. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Good common sense and sound judgment of the American people and their essential love of justice. Hi, welcome to the Kudzoo Vine for May 24th. I'm sorry, May 16th, 2021. I'm your host, David McLaughlin. Join me as always. Welcome, Tim Shiflett. Good evening, sir. Good to have you on. And in case anybody's wondering, Catherine Smith is on special assignment at a prior engagement event. I'm assuming she'll be back with us next week. Um, but tonight we're excited here in a few minutes to have David Jonas um, of Political Wire. He does all the special members-only pieces, or not all, but but um, he writes a, a special column for Political Wire. And these pieces are just so engaging in so many different um, and varied aspects. So if you're not a member of Political Wire, maybe you hear David talk about just a sliver of these articles um, and decide to, you know, try to membership uh, at Political Wire. We, we're, they are not a paid sponsor, but we highly recommend um, their content. Uh, but until then, um, there was a, a pretty big, I guess, two-part political event in the uh, Congress this past week, Tim. Step one, they had a voice vote on who would be, um, I guess, the number three person and GOP leadership, and they voted out uh, Liz Cheney, uh, at-large representative from Wyoming, um, has a father that's fairly famous in GOP politics and American history, and um, they voted in a new um, person in their leadership. We'll get to that later. Let's talk about voting out Liz Cheney. Um, Tim, this is building for a while, but... If you'd asked me a month or two ago, I might have said she holds on until the next Congress. But she was forced out early, um, and to me that seems due to Donald Trump and his uh, forces, wouldn't you think? Yeah, that's exactly what happened, and I think it really began in earnest when the minority leader, McCarthy, visited Trump down at Mar-a-Lago and started having his picture taken with him and stuff like that. And, and you know, that was the cue for the uh, rest of the leadership to turn on her and, and, a, lot, and a lot of the uh, members at large. Uh, of course, they had a voice vote to remove her so that it would not be on record who voted. So that later on, if something went wrong, some of them could deny that they voted one way or the other. Uh, mighty brave of them, isn't it? But um, as it turned out, from what we've been seeing in recent days, this removal was certainly no surprise. Um, all Trump opponents are pretty much being purged from the party. I know she's making noise about a opposing Trump, even to the point of running against him for the GOP nomination if he runs in 2024, but 
Right now, she has a bigger problem, don't she? And that's holding on to her seat because Trump's not going to let this go. He's going to he's going to go out for blood for removing her from Congress. Yeah, definitely so. Let's kind of get to this. A uh, real profile and courage. You're right. There with that voice, folks. I did not see video or, more importantly, hear audio of that voice, folks. Was there an audible no? Or how did that voice vote sound? Do you know, Tim? I do not know, but apparently it was uh, one-sided enough that no, no one, you know, asked asked for any other kind of vote. That that was that. It, it all happened in the space of about sixteen minutes, according to some who were in there. The whole thing, uh, the leader getting up and saying a few words and. Uh, I think Cheney said a few words, and she got booed, <laughs> and then they had the vote, and out she went. Um, yeah. Uh, that's, uh, but, it's uh, dramatic. Um, you know, you know, getting back to this uh, problem she has holding on to her seat, um, that's in a state where Trump won – by 43 points that was he was more popular in the state of wyoming than any other state in the 2020 election and i would imagine he is still extremely popular there um and i'm going to say she's in trouble of losing her seat yeah well yeah i don't I don't know. I mean, I know the Bale Land in uh, Wyoming does not favor her, say, in a one-on-one matchup. (laughs) But let me ask you this. Do they have plurality rule, or do they have runoffs among the top two, and you have to get 50%? I don't don't think they have runoffs. I don't think they have runoffs there. So her saving uh, grace – yeah, because if it was a a, if it was a runoff with a fifty percent plus one, she might as well resign now and make the next yeah. move, whatever that is. If they have a yeah. plurality situation, could three or four anti or pro Trump anti list Cheney characters get in the race, split that vote up, and then her hold on to some like we'll say thirty percent of the Republican vote, people that she's actually done stuff for that aren't all in on Trump. Uh-huh. That's that's the yeah. only means of survival, and if that's I, the case, where enough good, solid, I say, you know, people that are going to get double figures that are against her, and there's three of them that'll do that. That's her only move that, to kind of thread the needle. That is a that is a long hope there. I I surely yeah. think Trump will anoint someone to run against her if that's what they decide to do. And with 14% of the Republican voters right now only committed to voting for her no matter what. Yeah. Uh, that, that, don't, that, don't, that don't sound good to me. Uh, she, she might ought to think, I, you know, anything can happen, but, you know, she might have to think about packing her bags. So, you know, it's happened to a bunch of them. You know, it's, it's Donald Trump's party. You know, anybody can say anything they want to. I know they got on TV this morning, some of them, and they were, uh, some of those Republicans were saying, oh, he's just one of the leaders in our party. No, he's the only leader in their party. 
He runs the party. There's, there is no doubt that he runs the party. And, he, and you know, the, the price of membership is total fealty to Donald Trump. And if, if if you don't exhibit that, then you're on the outs, and that and that's just that, and that's where Liz Cheney finds herself, and it's not going to matter uh, how famous her father is out there, or none of that. Right now, it's Donald Trump's party until it's not. Yeah, I wonder. Um, so I think I think you're right that probably the plurality idea that I said is her only plan. I didn't say it was a good plan or a likely plan. So, therefore, she probably needs to figure out this, A, does she want to try to run for president? Because the, the word is she might could run. Now, does she want to run as a Republican in the primary, or does she want to run as an independent? Now, we saw the former congressman from uh, Illinois, his name escapes me. Mark Sanford, former governor and congressman from South Carolina, and former governor William Weld and former libertarian, I guess, VP nominee, um, they all ran against Trump. So, you know, even if if each of them caught fire and got, you know, 10% of the vote, they didn't even do that. Did they even combine for 10% in some states? So you have three pretty decent candidates. I say, you know, Probably two of the three had equal a profile as Liz Cheney did, at least definitely going before this past week because her key rating has increased this week. Um, And and they did nothing. So I don't think running in the Republican primary against him gets you anywhere, does it, Tim? No, I know. Even if it's a one-on-one race, it would probably be one of those deals where, like Pat Buchanan, which he, when he ran for the Republican nomination uh, in '92 against um, Bush, yeah, um, he he got about 30 percent of the vote everywhere he went. It was basically a one-on-one race, and that, and that's about what he did. And that's about what she would do. I think she would pull about 30% of the vote everywhere, but she wouldn't last long doing that. So, uh, I, I say this. I, I, don't, I don't think she, Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think uh, You don't think what? I don't think she's – I'm sorry. I don't think she's Buchanan 96. I think she's Buchanan – I'm sorry, 92. I think she's Buchanan 96. I don't think she runs as good as Buchanan did in 92. I, I don't think there's that much there in the Republican primary for. Um, now, well, we talk about running third party. Now, everybody's thinking, oh, well, she runs uh, – You know, she gets on the ballot and goes the traditional third party route, a, a Ross Perot type route. And it would be to play spoiler, and she could do that and be a lot of work. Now, if I'm not mistaken, now there probably are some social issues she'd have to kind of moderate on, but would not it be an easier route to try to co-opt the libertarian platform and run as the libertarian uh, nominee? It would give them their highest profile nominee in a little while and then get her easy access on to 40-plus states immediately – and probably could work on the other, like, how many of her remaining they're not on, get her on all 50 states. And if she ran as the Libertarian, maybe get in the high single digits possibly and then still play spoiler to Trump. Would that not um, be a better route, Tim? Uh, I guess it would, but unless she changes her mind, there is, like, no chance of that happening. I saw her repeatedly this morning 
And she kept coming back to one thing. I am a conservative Republican, she Mm. said. No, I'm not leaving the Republican Party. I'm going to stay here and fight for my party. So she plans on doing whatever she's going to do within the confines of the Republican Party. And that's where she runs into her problem because it's not her party anymore. This party is nothing like the party that that she grew up watching her father in even. It's certainly not the party of, of you know, say, going back to Nixon and on further back beyond Goldwater and all that. It's, it's nothing like that. It doesn't even resemble it. That party is gone. And Trump has really blown it up now. It, it you know, it, it belongs to him. He's mm-hmm. put his people in every state. He, he's running all the state parties, and all the national Republicans are, you know, bending over to him, playing ball with him, going along with the big lie, uh, going along with anything he says. And she, she is just out. Look what they just did. She voted with Donald Trump nearly 93% of the time while he was president, and her replacement voted with Donald Trump about 77% of the time while he was president. They actually went more moderate in their leadership simply because Trump wanted to get rid of her. You see, it's not about policy in the Republican Party now, David. It's about Donald Trump and what Donald Trump wants, right? No, absolutely. I mean, and that's the thing is, you know, her father started wars for poor reasons with folks in the Middle East. Donald Trump starts wars against people in his own country. At first it was Democrats, and now it's uh, other Republicans. I mean, he, he wants to fight internal wars. Um, he really has zero interest in um, you know, wars outside of America for good or bad. He wants you know to turn Americans against each other because that's really what his presidency did. Um, it divided America um, like no other presidency in history, and, and he just keeps wanting to divide it. And now he's dividing even portions of the Republican Party against each other. Well, let's get into that vote. Um, at first, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene had. had um, uh, gotten all up at arms saying that she didn't wasn't that uh, on board with Elise Stefanik. I think she ended up throwing her support behind Chip Roy. Chip Roy did not do well because Donald Trump threw his support uh, behind Representative Stefanik of upstate right. New York, and that was all right. she wrote. Chip Roy did very poorly in that election, I think, because in his little press release website machine. Um, he released that statement supporting her, um, and that was all she needed. Um, really, Elise Stefanik, I think, was trying to set up her brand as some kind of moderate new Republican that could grow the party with the millennials. I, I listened to the book, The Ones We've Been Waiting For, that talked about millennial politicians on both sides of the aisle. She was featured very prominently. The politician that was promoted in that book and what she's done in the past three months, or I guess we're now five months into the year, uh, are at total odds. Um, what do you think Representative Stefanik has done to her um, uh, career moving forward? 
Well, she's looking as the whole Republican Party is, David, at the short term. I mean, in 2016, she opposed Donald Trump. Even after he got the Republican nomination, she would not support him. And she was not a huge supporter of his, uh, as I just talked about with the votes, when she would vote a quarter of the time against his program while he was president. Uh, But she looked at the lay of the land, and she saw a chance to move into leadership. And so she decided, many others do, to do whatever she had to do uh, to accomplish that. And in this case, it's wire allegiance to Donald Trump. And so out she comes and does it, and she just did a total about face, as many have done. Uh, we could name every one of them, and that's 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 what's happened. Because if she hadn't done it, then she would not be the number three Republican in the House right now. It would be someone else, and and that's just you know, like I said, Donald Trump runs the party that he doesn't run it anymore. She knew that, and she was willing to uh, swallow her pride and her principles both and play ball. Yes. Well, uh, let me ask you the next uh, question here. Um, you know, her state, she's in New York, a democratically controlled state. Um, the way she's conducted herself, now we talk about, oh, they could come after so-and-so and they could come after so-and-so. And we've had discussions just this past week about different politicians, but where I don't think you can come after them. But could the Democrats come after her and make her district so – it's tough to win re-election, or she has to really manipulate and move which district she serves in. I don't, I, in her particular district, I think she would be pretty safe. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty rock-red uh, district. Uh, and, and what she's looking at is not being the number three Republican. She She really is thinking about, you know, the Republicans winning the House, and all of a sudden, she's number three in the whole House. She's two little people removed, two slots removed from being the Speaker herself someday. Uh, she's, this is her version of atonement favor, and, and that's that's what she's going to do. But I, I think she's safe in her district uh there, there's there's a lot of districts outside of the big cities in in New York State that that are just you know they're pretty solid Republican, especially upstate. So yeah, I mean, but they are a little bit different. That's why she probably had that um, voting record that was not nearly as conservative as Liz, Liz Cheney. Well, Let me ask you one more question about Liz Cheney, and um, that is, let's say she can tell. There's no route to win re-election in uh, the House in Wyoming. Obviously, any other seat, since her district is at large, is off the table in Wyoming. Um, she can't win presidency. That's not really a good option. Um, other than, like I said, playing spoiler, and only play spoilers to run in the general. So could she move into media? Um, is there a um, media source which would need her, and we have to think about what the media landscape looks like today. Yes, she could. Uh, I mean, look at Nicole Wallace. 
how well she's done, and on MSNBC. And Nicole Wallace always worked for Republicans. I mean, good grief, they even had her working for Sarah Palin for a while in the campaign in 2008. And and Nicole Wallace has made a marvelous career for herself by being a Republican who opposes Donald Trump, among other things. Uh, and, and she could easily do that uh she's very she's very good on television she does good interviews she's got a good speaking voice she's pleasant to look at yeah she she really could do that and i believe if i were her that's exactly what i'd do yeah i I think that may be the only place she has is to um you know try to run uh, or try to uh, you know make a media career because It just doesn't look like she's got a lot of options uh, moving forward um, in um, in elective office, given where she's at. Um, Well, so let me let me then uh, ask another, or let's kind of switch gears. Somebody we did talk about some this week and talking about redistricting and whatnot. We're gonna get into that part of the conversation. Uh, Tim, you're an I's congressman, Marjorie Taylor Greene. you know, she um, she made some news this past week, um, two ways actually. Um, early in the week, she uh, there was some things with some um, what do you call it? Uh, some video, or actually, she confronted um, Representative Estacio Cortez, and then there was some video from about two years ago, her doing that again. And then finally, um, there was uh, later on an incident with homestead exemption. Tim, kind of talk about that first incident real quickly. Well, the first incident was witnessed by reporters, especially from the Washington Post, when she apparently followed uh, Representative uh, Cortez out into the – hallway out off the floor of the Congress hollering at her, you know, uh, taunting her, uh, keeping on going on at at her about the Green New Deal and why don't you debate me and la, 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 la. You know, it's just something you don't see in the halls of Congress. A a congressman following another one out into the hallway and screaming at him in front of witnesses, you don't see that. And, and that was the, the thing that the uh, reporters who witnessed it found so remarkable that it even happened to start with. So that was that situation. Yeah, that was uh, very – like like the, the one where reporters talked about it and said what was going on, um, it was hard to convey the message, if you will, because um, she um, – you know, she um, – I'm losing my train of thought here because I'm trying to work with the studio. Remember, I'm the producer as well. Um, you know, you had to have, hear their side of the story, if you will. But then um, – yeah, Tim, I'm going to tell you what's going on because the board is not looking like normal. Actually, it is saying recording left, um, it, but it looks a little different. I'm trying to get our guest on the show. And having a little trouble, okay. so I'll, call, I'll dial you in. And now, um, 
um, it's not letting me do so. I don't know that we can get a guest tonight, and I'm not even sure what's going on the recording. It could be my fault in this case because when I got on my Chromebook, the time was wrong. Um, so I may call this one on me. Um, but I don't. But David's trying to call in, and part of me wants to kind of kill what we're doing and then um, call him and kind of and see what we got recorded wise. So um, if it's okay, I'm gonna call it a night this evening because of probably technical difficulties on my end, I think. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. And sorry to any listeners, and if this is what we got so far, we'll decide what we need to leave up if possible because some things about the board look okay, but others about the board don't look okay, including our guest issue. Um, but like I said, I'm looking down at my time, and it is wrong, and I probably should have taken the time to fix it. Um, but I didn't think it'd matter, and that is a faux pas on my end. So until next week, night, everybody. Good night.